Hey guys, Tyler here. So this is us ranking our top 25 games of the last generation. If you guys missed the uh, previous episodes, go back and check them out. If not, hope you guys enjoy, enjoy this next part. Uh, love you guys. See you later. Moving on to uh, my number 20 here. This is uh, my first uh, sequel to that you'll see of the, uh, the first time you'll see a second game of that same, fran of fran same franchise on the list, um, but might not be the last. Uh, Gears 5. It was my 2019 game of the year. Um, and it's just kind of more of the goodness of like Gears of War 4, where it's like uh, jumps. This time you actually play as Kate the whole time um, instead of JD. And, you know, Marcus is still there. Um, and it's just it's just more of what you love. It's more it's like it's definitely like one of the, like graphically one of the best looking games I've ever played. I've always talked about that. Like I always talk about like I think uh, like Last of Us Part 2 uh horizon and gears five are like those three games for me when i think about like graphical performance of like what i've seen from games especially h especially h, h uh hdr with uh with horizon and gears five where it's like those colors pop so fucking well um with the, or like that's where you see the shine especially playing on like an xbox one x or ps4 pro where it's like oh my god like you see the power <laughs> you you see the power but you also see like these consoles are at their limits with these fucking things. No shit. But um, yeah, like I, I really enjoy. It. I like, I like just kind of like where it's not like they've kind of they didn't like do a crazy like. All right, now it's open world and it's like whatever. But it's like no, like you, you there's like multiple like there's there's different uh, acts in these games. You know, so you know there's acts and then each was each actor's a few chapters and like a couple. There's two different acts in the game where like you're like in these in an open area, but it's not like it's not like breath of the wild size open area but it's like it's an open area you can like explore and there's side things you can do there's where you can find um more you know uh upgrades you can do to your characters or to like you know things like that where it's like totally it, it's really like uh optional boss fights stuff like that which is really cool like a gradual expansion world. we're not just making an open world for the sake of open world we're just we're at, but we're, we're definitely changing a little bit with the times, which I'm really happy with. We're not we're like this is we're not we're not just making a live service because live service is popular now, kind of thing. Where it's like, but anyways, yeah, I just I I love it so much more. It's just more of Gears. It's better. It's it's getting better over with every single one. I can't wait for a Gear Six. Um, but yeah, it's utterly fantastic. It's my game of the year from 2019. It still is. Uh, and it's my number 20 game from uh, this last generation. Gables, what's your number 20? Rocket League. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you know what? Initially, when I went through and composed this list, I was actually surprised at the placement that I did have for Rocket League. Initially. Same here with you. And that's just the thing, man. It's like I played that game a lot. I played it for over 200-some-odd hours. I did play plenty of it with the crew of the talking ship as well as you as well we had some great gamer nights with this game when it first came out yeah i initially started playing the game on my own just playing a little bit of single player stuff just i would go through the season mode stuff like time after time and stuff with different types of teams different types of things for the ai stuff because i like that aspect of it with the latest updates over the past year and so you can't really do that any longer oh. so it kind of like depreciated a bit more so i enjoyed it initially from launch all the way up until like god at least about a couple of years ago but i kind of got burnt out of it but the experience i did have with playing with 
other people, and like say with their friends with the talking ship, and like through my own like, individual stuff. Whenever I go, like come home from work, I just play like, a few games of Rocket League. It was just basically that pick up and play mentality. I could play certain online matches, and I have some really fun experiences playing some of those online matches to where. I go into one competitive thing and I actually and I absolutely smoke the entire team, like just <laughs> myself, because of how much I played it. And my teammates are like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, you were really, really. I remember being. You were really, really good at that game. Well, that's the thing, man. It's like I knew in terms of the ground game that if I could time it just right, I could do a block or do like a specific type of shot. And I got it to where I got so good coordinating in terms of on the ground where the ball was going to be at that I would literally have to angle the uh, right analog set just correctly in order to hit the ball and then for just shoot up all the way. It was just basically me just guessing for a lot of the different times and stuff while I was doing that. But what was kind of hilarious is every time that I would go through a match or something like that, I speed so far ahead, do like my boost, and all of a sudden I kept on flipping my car and this and that. <laughs> I remember one key thing where it pissed off Jitterbug so much that I did this, but I would be going after the ball so much that uh, he he could not really get a goal against, like, <laughs> into this one game. And I remember him, he's being so close, and all of a sudden you see the replay of me going speeding, like, flipping the car this way, that way, and actually managed to get the ball away from the goal before it crossed the goal line. <laughs> and we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> but man, there was so many fun times playing that game, and really, there hasn't been an online game since then that's actually organized a lot of us just to play it as sort of a gamer night thing. Yeah, had other games that we could potentially play, like say a Friday the Thirteenth, or like even God, even like other games, like say Among Us, Overwatch, the fuck, yeah. Overwatch, a little bits here and there. But Rocket League is where all of us really came together and just yeah. screwed around. Maybe have a couple of drinks or something like that. Go into a few random stories, like say with Wes and his cat. But uh, yeah, oh my <laughs> God, dude, that whole that whole episodic thing and. Just to paraphrase briefly upon the story, it's like, we have a friend named West. He comes on the talking ship occasionally. And he's like, he had this cat inside of this one apartment and stuff like that. And so I, we, we was basically talking about his cat. He talked about how he gave the cat string cheese or whatsoever, this cat string cheese and shit. Forgot the story. And, and so here I am, I'm going through, and I'm just picturing in my mind just what happens like with West and his cat. Like, say... And I, I don't know how this had led to this way, but fucking, I went through it and I told him, it's like, man, can you just imagine this Wes just coming back from his home and stuff like that? You know, he, you know, teaching his cat, you know, how to open the door and stuff. And all of a sudden he just goes through, he just goes and sees the door, sees the cat through the window just staring at him. It's like, damn it, Howard, not again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And man, I, we, all of us laughed so fucking, I think a lot of us laughed so fucking hard from that. God, it was one of the few moments where it's like I I am going to admit this man, but that was one of the few times I've actually pissed myself laughing. It was so <laughs> fucking hilarious, dude. But uh, yeah, man, those moments are what made that game yeah fantastic in my honest opinion. Mm-hmm. So number twenty is Rocket League. Very nice, man. Very cool. Uh, we'll move it on here to number nineteen now. My number nineteen is uh, it's a uh, a game that I I. 
It came out in 2014. It's a game I, I just so badly wish. It's a game I wanted for a very long time. Like a good one of these games made. It's a game I'd, I so badly want more of. Uh, that isn't bullshit ripoff, you know, microtransaction bullshit. Yu-Gi-Oh! Legacy of the Duelist. Um, hey, there yeah, you go. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's a game I go back to often, and I, I'll replay uh, the game again. The can't like it's actually a really cool campaign where you go through all the different uh, mm-hmm. animes of Yu-Gi-Oh! And uh, you know, being a guy that I love the original Yu-Gi-Oh! It came out when I was still a kid, and replaying through that again was awesome. And like you can replay it from both sides of the perspective. Like you can play as you know, it's it's Pegasus versus Kaiba. You can play, you know, the first time you play, you always play as a good guy the first time. But if you want to switch from the villain side, you can play the villain side, and you can use those guys' deck from that that battle, or you can use your own deck. It's yes. so cool, like getting to actually like use those decks. Um, I remember, like you play Yugi versus Kaiba in the first battle, and it's like you can you you play the, the Exodia deck, or you can build your own deck and play that gets them. And that's something I think that was always something I always thought was more cool. Was like. I know your deck, and I'm gonna like you know. Here's my deck. Here's my best deck. I'm gonna beat your your guys' stuff. But it was always so cool. It's just like it was what I wanted so much when it was just like the it wasn't it was difficult, but it was like a fair difficult where it was like right. I you know for someone like me that only loved the original anime and fell out of Yu-Gi-Oh before they added all this different stuff, but it's like I can actually jump into it and actually compete and follow like at least that first chunk of it. Like they actually followed. Like each genre you played of the anime, it followed the rules of that anime, and it was so cool. Like I finally, I was playing it, and I was like, I was able to like actually like, all right, cool. Here's the rules I know, and then like I was able to like understand, grasp, and understand the rules as I go. Where it's like other Yu-Gi-Oh games in the past, where it's like, it is like you just jump in and like if you haven't played in 15 years, fuck you, you yeah, suck, pretty much. get the fuck out. Um, but it was it was also there it was just incredibly hard to like to compete in like the story mode and like these tournaments and the older games, like on the, the previous generations where it was just like they, they, these guys have the, the best cards, the best decks. And it's like, Oh, you, you can't beat these guys. Well, you can buy packs of cards with real money if you want to, or you can buy these decks with real money if you want to. And like this one, and like it definitely has it where like there's all these different decks you can buy or different like battles you can compete against, against like enemies that sure. aren't in the main thing. And they're there, and it's, it's kind of bullshit. Yeah, but it's like there's enough content in the main game, and it's only like twenty dollars when it came out. Where it's like, I yeah, really like this, and it's like, and there's like different like uh, there's like actual like battles that aren't in the main game, that aren't in the main campaign that you can do, like challenges you can do, later, like side ones you can do, and you can face uh, these these people and like they're from the animes and their decks they had, and those like oh you can you can face um, Rex. Uh, in his in his deck from Duel's Kingdom, it's like, all right, cool, that's awesome, and you can play fight him in a, in a separate challenge, and it's it's I I put like over eighty hours, and I regularly go back to it. I played it for like three or four hours, uh, during actual life just last year. Where it's just like you know, yeah. jumping into it, and it's just like, and it, it for you know, I'll go through stretches. Where I I redownload it, and I'll play it, and I'll, I'll and it's just like it's like a nice, calm, relaxing game. And it's just like I, I so badly just want more from it. And like I know they like. On Switch and stuff like that, they've done like a, an updated version of it, where it's just updated cards. But it's like that's not what I want. I want just like give me like just give me a fucking you know world championship like used to in Game Boy Advance. Give me that. Like I so badly. It's like it's like the case where like I talk about with like Until Dawn or Outlast, where it's like those kind of killed the genre for me. And it's like this kind of like 
reinvigorated that genre for me where it's like I was, I was so badly I love the the card battling genre I think it's like I said it's a, it's, a, it's a nostalgia thing or anything and I'll admit that but it's just like and I but I think that's the case for even like regular Yu-Gi-Oh fans like that are like you know that keep track of it and keep playing it and it's just like you know that that don't do bullshit cheats to like unlock all the cards uh, that you know there's people that we know that have done that and like to just play the, just be able to play the game and compete in the game it's like that's not fun. Like I want to like I want to actually like you know like any other game I want to get play and get better and progress I don't mind losing that's yeah. fine but like I want to progress get better relearn my strategies and play it you know instead of just like oh oh you can't beat this guy he he kills you in two turns very easily oh that sucks well spend twenty dollars and maybe you'll get better that shit and it's like this didn't do that I loved it so much for that and yeah I I just want I just want more I just want more from it that's all I want that's my number uh, nineteen Yu Gi Oh Legacy of Duels. Gables, what's your number 19? All right. So my number 19 is a game that I have platinumed, and that is A Hat in Time. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Go, uh, Go Simulator. <laughs> oh, no. Pitter, no. pitter pot. No. <laughs> no, oh, that's in the Red X mark of shame. <laughs> oh, number one. But okay. uh, for, for Hat in Time... It was part of a genre that has long since been in dor- like long since been dormant. But this game is a 3D platformer that hits a lot of cues that I remember enjoying from classic games like Banjo Kazooie, Donkey Kong 64, even to some aspect like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro to some aspects. This game is fun. It has a lot of quirky stuff. I heard plenty about it before the game released, including for some of my old co-workers that I really like were into 3D platformers back in the day, really liked how the Kickstarter was for A Hat in Time. There were a lot of quirks that I did love about the game, but mostly it was just pure fun to go into a similar sort of 3D like platforming sort of style that I remember playing for like Mario 64, Banjo-Kazooie, in that regards. And this, just have fun just collecting everything, going through the different worlds, going through the different, like, uh, like, like, different levels, doing races in this one, like, train world or whatsoever. But I remember my time playing it and enjoying it for what it was. It even had, it even had, like, Super Mario Thun, like, Sunshine, like, uh, inspired obstacle courses and stuff to where you could do like this various obstacle courses in order to get this hourglass. So when you're playing as Hat Kid, who basically that's the name of the girl that you could control Hat Kid, you have to collect all of these these like these uh, hourglasses and stuff in order to fill your ship to get back to your home. So you go through a lot of these different worlds, you get to go through a lot of like these different characters you get to experience. Like, there's this, like, one world initially where it's Mafia Town. So you had to go through with a lot of the Mafia people, plus uh, the mob boss you had to contend with, along with this, uh, along with your rival, quintessentially, is this uh, this girl, right, with a mustache, with, like, the red, almost looks like a little red riding hood, quintessentially. So an accident happened, and she, she actually grew a mustache as a result from it. But uh, what's fun about it, just how traditional it is but at the same time it's like it's more of what 
I enjoyed in the past. So there's some nostalgia stuff, but it's also a fairly good game. It plays competently. You could play it on platforms like, say, Steam, PS4, and obviously the Switch. Yes, there's a Switch version of it. DLC, I have never played it, but at the same time, it quintessentially hit all of those marks of what I look for of a great 3D platformer, which was replayable levels, fun music, great sense of humor in that regard. So it's basically why it's ranked so high on my list. <laughs> right. Nice. Very cool, Gables. Um, my number 18 uh, is, uh, is the first Wii U game on the list. Uh, Mario Kart 8. Um, oh, it's it's know. it's the game that made me jump back into uh, getting a Wii. Uh, maybe jump into getting a home console again for the you know with Nintendo and uh, for the Wii U. I remember like f- going on. I was like, oh, I'm gonna buy this bundle, and I ended up finding like a like Nintendo refurbished one for like 200 bucks. And like right when this came out, and I jumping in, just like you know being a guy that like fell off a Nintendo very hard, and like probably like 2007 ish. Um, 2008 maybe, um, and just not caring. Fell off the DS, fell off the Wii, all that, mm-hmm. and jumping up, you know, getting a 3DS right, right, right by, like probably a few months before this, and not really caring. For, I didn't care for the Mario Kart and the Wii. Didn't care for Mario Kart. Double Dash wasn't was fine. Uh, I, Mario Kart Wii was eh, it was okay, and then like even like Mario Kart Seven on 3DS was like all right, it's fine. And I jump into Mario Kart 8, and it's just like, I don't know why. It's just like totally like changed it up for me. Re- yeah. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It was a, it was a switch um, of just <laughs> where um, I was like, I put a shit ton of time into this. Whereas it's like, I, I I beat all 50cc, got 100, 150, even did mirror mode. Like something I hadn't done since uh, the Mario Kart DS one where I put hundreds of hours in Mario Kart DS. Mm. Uh, uh, it was it's my all time favorite Mario Kart game, but to like you know jump in from like where I just didn't give a fuck for years, close to a decade of Mario Kart to like jumping in and like loving this, buying the DLC, playing all that, and just like so excited to just have more of it. And like I, even to this day, like and it's crazy. Like, this is the last Mario Kart game we've gotten, and that was 2013, 2014. 2014. It was like around 2014. I yeah, think I think it was. it was on my top 10 list. 2014, I believe. Um, yeah, like just jumping back into, like getting back into it was like, it it, it hits me more because it's like not only was it like, it's it's not only the game that got me back into Nintendo in the home console genre. It's it, it's just it got me back into Mario Kart, got me, and it's just like it's a, it's a great game on on top of that where like it really I felt felt turned that genre around where I felt like it was it, Mario Kart was in a weird place where it was just like, you know, I, I feel like they're trying to do different things with like, like with Mario Kart double dash, you know, it's like, okay, we're trying, we're just trying to do some weird, uh, you know, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for here? Twist on the game. Like everything's going to have its own style to it. And it's like right. DS didn't have that style, but it's like it had online play, which was cool. Uh, but it's like, you know, Mario Kart, Wii. it's like, ah, it's Wii, So it's motion control. And then, uh, 3D uh, Mario Kart 7 came out and I was just like, yeah, it's, it's basic, it's fine. I don't know. I just but something about this one just hit me. It's like it was just, it was so much better. It's it, it's the the it just it, the the game peaked at that point. I remember like going to like a uh, a Best Buy with Justin because like for like a, like two three years in a row uh, during like E3, 
Nintendo would have like you go to like Best Buys, like they'd have like you could play Smash Brothers on Wii U for the first time, or you can play Mario Kart for the first time, or uh, Wind Waker HD for the first time. And it's like I remember going and getting to play uh, this and that. That's kind of where like I felt it. Where I was like I was playing that with, and I didn't have a Wii U at this point. And it was just like I didn't have a 3DS at this point. And I was going over with Justin's go play Mario Kart with Justin was what I was going for. And I was like going in like that was like where I was like I really like that. Like, this is really cool. This is really I, I like where this is going. Um, yeah. So uh, Mario Kart Eight is uh, my number eighteen. Gables, what's your number eighteen? My number eighteen is Super Mario Three D Land. Oh, okay. Now this is the game that simultaneously, in my honest opinion, kickstarted the three DS for what the potential of it could be. Until that point and stuff, the three DS was quintessentially struggling to say the least. It launched at too high of a price point. The games really weren't really there in regards to most of the first year. They're only at that point was like two note wild games that I can remember that people were clamoring for, and that was the remake of Ocarina of Time and this game, Super Mario 3D Land. Now, bearing before Mario games and stuff like Mario platforming games, you know, you'd have new Super Mario Brothers for the Wii, obviously, but. Uh, the other one was like Super Mario Brothers, like DS in that regards, that quintessentially had that sort of traditional style, but like Mario games, but we were more or less looking for something more substantial at that time. So when 3D Land came out, the game in and of itself was a fantastic experience from beginning to end. There was a lot of good level design, there was a lot of good classic things returning to that game, which, you know... It took me by surprise a little bit because the art style, a lot of the cutscenes that you would go through, but those little like character like uh, slides and stuff were reminiscent of one of my favorite games of all time, Super Mario Bros. 3, hmm. so that was good and appealing. Certain power-ups returned from that game too, like the Tanuki suit, which was more or less sort of like a flutter sort of thing where you gradually go down and stuff, and you could use the 3D to do specific like uh, perspective changes and this and that. I used it a little bit, but more or less I like to play Super Mario 3D Land to not really in 3D, but more like an authentic sort of uh, 3D platformer and stuff. And that was what was so awesome. It was like a more competent like 3D platformer on the go, you know, where you could complete a couple of courses and then like you could do like a little collectathon thing. But from beginning to end, this was a great quality Mario game that was more reminiscent of something you would play on the console. And so that was like one of those first, one of those big firsts and stuff like that for that uh, from, you know, from like a handheld perspective to where you could get a console like Mario experience on the go with a 3DS. Because obviously it was like Super Mario Sunshine was like one of those last big like console games, like console Mario games at that point mm. before they Nintendo went with the whole new Super Mario Brothers like feel and the whole 2D perspective going back to their roots. So that's why it is at the spot where it's at. So Super Mario 3D Land, fantastic. Nice. Very cool, Gables. Um, what was that? Was it number 18? Just did there? Yes. Yes. So my number 17, sticking with Nintendo, uh, is a game that got me. It's the game that got me back into Nintendo. It's the reason I bought a 3DS instead of a PS4. Um, and it's a game called Pokemon X. Po- technically Pokemon X and Y. But, um, you know, I was just talking about with, with Mario Kart 8, where it's just like, 
that was the game that got me back on the home consoles. This is the game that got me back on Nintendo in, in general. Or um, jumping in, it was like I, I like I, we were just talking about on the uh, previous episode we just did about when we talked about Diamond and Pearl. It's like I fell off uh, ten so hours in the Diamond. Was Diamond? I think it was Diamond I bought. Um, and I just you know I fell off and I was just like, all right, well, I'm, you know I fell off Nintendo completely, but I was just like. Watching that gameplay, those uh, those directs of the first time, like, and kind of like it really was like we're trying to get back that old genre. We like we were like we recognize we have lost uh, a good chunk of you know that fan base from the original ones, and a lot of it's just because they grown up. But it's like we want to get those back, and it's just like jumping in. It's like they have the you know you can the the mega uh, evolutions you can do, and it's just like hey, like here's your starters. And then a little bit later in, you're you're gonna be able to pick your starters between uh, Charmander, Bulbasaur, and Squirtle, and this is like, say no more, <laughs> I'm in, you know. And I got myself my Two sets of starters. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> I got my Greninja and I got my Charizard, and I was a happy boy. And then uh, <laughs> a little bit later, I got my Lucario, and I was very happy. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's like also this is the fact with like the you know the the XP share also as well, where it's like that was a total game changer for me. Whereas it's like, I don't have to grind, you know, a shit ton anymore. And it's like, um, you know, it totally, it looked completely different, not completely different, but it was like, definitely like we like for the, it felt like for the first time since really the original Pokemon games, where it was like, we are make some changes to like the way this game plays, the way it, it runs where it's like, there was definitely, I remember like playing that game where it's like, I remember you got the first two, um, badges, like really quickly, like in the first couple hours, bam, you got your two starters, you got your two badges. But then there was like a stretch where you're just doing other shit, and like you you don't do any badges for a while. And it's like there's breaks in between these badges. There's it wasn't just like oh, here's a mine you're gonna do it for for a half an hour to kind of break up the monotony of like yeah here's you get badge one two three four five six. It just totally felt like it was like uh like it wasn't like a, a complete like overhaul, but it was definitely like a. Right. You know, we are making changes like we were like we know there's fans like it was trying to it was a good way of like balancing the old with the new of like there's the fans that still currently love these franchises but it's also like we recognize there's a, there's a fan base here that's gone away that you know we want to bring back but also like we want a way of changing it but also like here's like a good way of, like it was a good way to ease them back in and i was that guy and it was just like got a 3ds because of it and i remember just sitting down and like could not quit playing this game. I was like loving it. And it's like, it wasn't overly hard. It wasn't like, you know, this is what I want from a, a Pokemon game as a, as an older fan of, as, as a lapsed fan where I don't keep up with uh, the Pokemon games. Like, like, like you do Gables or a lot of people where it's like, you know, like they love all the stuff that, you know, they, they the early guy that goes on Celebi on the website and like, you know, they, they know all like the different uh, strategies you can do and all the different things you can do. And it's just like, I'm the guy that I just want to, pick up a Pokemon game, play through it, and then put it down. And I'm ha- very happy with that. And, like, Pokemon X and Y, that genre was, like, so incredibly awesome. And it's just, like, I, it's, like, it's a, it's a moment that, like, I, I definitely, like, I enjoyed the Pokemon games I play them, but, like, that, is to me, is, like, the highlight of my adult life as far as, like, nostalgia coming back and hit me where it's, like, there's no other, there, I don't know, other than Metal Gear, there's nothing else nostalgia-wise that can hit me the way Pokemon does uh, as an adult. So, yeah, that is my number uh, 17, Pokemon X. Gable, what's your number 17? All right. You remember when I said I liked music games earlier on? Is it, can, I, can I guess, is it a Persona, 5, a Persona game? 
<laughs> I'm already typing it, it out. All too well. <laughs> one, but uh, these two are pretty much tied together in that regards, and that's Persona 3, Dancing in Moonlight, and Persona 5, Dancing in Starlight. Both of them are quintessentially the same style of game to where you go through a bunch of different tracks, you go through and complete a lot of the various conditions through the uh, shoe and story modes between both of them, which they both intertwine with each other because it's like a, pretty much like a dance-off thing from like one side of the other side and this and that. But the reason why it's so high up on this list is because of how fun and how much enjoyment and entertainment I've gotten through replaying a lot of these songs. Both the soundtracks for Persona 3 and Persona 5 are excellent. And in regards to the remixes, in regards to different types of stylings and different types of like ways you can customize like characters and definitely add some bit of difficulties or some sort of handicaps or some sort of like elements. You know, the customization in general is excellent. If you really want to, you can get like a bunch of DLC stuff with different tracks and different this and that. But I spend most of my time relaxing after a hard day of work, just chilling with some music. I've streamed both games multiple times upon my Twitch channel whenever I felt like I'm in the mood to stream something. Both of these dancing games are, in my honest opinion, some of the best on the PlayStation 4. Definitely fun, definitely addicting. I honestly, I love the Persona 5 Dancing in Starlight a little bit more now because of how much I've went through Persona 5 and this and that, but it's with so much like uh, fun and so much replayability and the fact that I pretty much have a love of music in general, so going through a lot of these tracks, a lot of these quality stuff really makes it much more appealing towards me considering that I can go through, do the different types of beats, different types of uh, different types of like rhythm stuff. But man, going through a lot of these tracks from the easiest all the way to the all-night difficulty, man, some of these tracks were on freaking fire. Especially if you want to go through some of the hardest tracks the entire game where all of the stars are maxed out and just having that feeling of clearing all of that through like a three or four minute song and getting a complete perfect which i have done multiple times before <laughs> is an amazing feeling and the sense of challenge the sense of accomplishment and just completing these games is more or less more of a reason to go and invest in them they're constantly on sale on psn and honestly technically they're you can also play on the vita as well if you want to and that was one of the funniest things about it is the trophy list for both the the Vita version and the PS4 version they're they're intermixed, hmm. so it's like if you played one version, you played the other one. So it's like, yeah, you could quite honestly say that I have like two like Vita games for this spot. Mm -hmm. But uh, yes, that was number seventeen. Yep, Persona Three Dancing in Moonlight and Persona Five Dancing in Starlight. Very cool games. I'm actually I knew they'd be on your list. I, I thought they I honestly thought they'd be higher. Um, my number 16 is a, a game I love very, very much. Uh, I mean, obviously, I guess if they're on my list, I love them. But uh, it was a game that came out in 2017. It's just one of the games that, like, one of the biggest surprises for me this entire generation of a game that I didn't give a, 
any shits about. Like I, I heard about it. it was it's not a triple A game or anything like that, but it's a game I heard about coming out, and like it came, like it was like really like the week, like of it came out and people were talking about it. It was like, okay, I, I kind of like what I'm hearing from this. It's a game called Hellblade. Um, ah, there you go. Yeah, so it's a game that it was funny enough. It's, it was a PS4 exclusive that, and now it's. It's a, the studio is now owned by Xbox, so uh, it's, it's like a thirty dollars game that came out. It's only it's only digitally. It's on Game Pass now. It's it, it's on everything. Uh, but uh, Sydney was uh, is it Sydney was sacrifice. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I always I can't remember what the title the sequel is called. So I was like, oh wait, is it Sydney was sacrifice. But it's just a cool game where it's like you know you're Sydney, like her uh, fiance, his fiance, her husband dies, and she's trying to like. Take, it takes place in Norse mythology. This is before even God of War came out, and it's funny. Like I, I watched a God of War documentary that PlayStation did for the, for the making of God of War, and they mentioned like they mentioned Hellblade. It's like it's like oh we're, like they're talking about like Cory Barlog, the director of God of War, is talking about like you know Norse mythology. No one's ever touched. You know, no one's really delved into this. You know like Egyptian, uh, Greek mythology. It's done to death. Whatever. It's like Norse mythology. No one's ever done that really with like. Outside of outside of like the Thor Thor movies with Marvel, it's like, and then fucking Hellblade comes out, and it's like, god damn it, and you know, it does say it negatively, but just it's kind of like a shout out, but it's cool. But anyways, uh, Hellblade, you know, jumping jumping into like you know Norse mythology, and it's like you know she's trying to uh, find a way to bring her uh, uh, her dead uh, husband back to uh, life, and she's literally carrying the head of her husband with her as she's going and like. And it's like the, the added on top of that where she's dealing with like um, the psychosis, these mental issues where it's like it's so fucking great where like you like they say like they recommend like you play this with headsets with a headset. And it, it really right. like it's like it. But it's true where it's like I remember putting on my, my headset, my turtle beaches and like, you know, like you have that 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 the angel on your shoulder and your devil on the other shoulder and your ear yeah. where it's like they're like one's telling you to do one thing. There's one telling you to do the other where she's dealing with like mental issues with like with you know, with uh, anxiety and depression and all this and grief and everything. And on top of that, like she's dealing with the fact that like you're doing what well, as a gamer, you're dealing with the fact that like they tell you, like if you die enough in like these spots, you can lose your, your game save and have to start all over again. And like, wow. I, I don't know how true that was. And it's like, it sounds like it, it's, it's true technically, but it's like the amount of times you have to die would be insane for it to happen. But it also has like, you can set it to like, it has like a, a scaling difficulty where like, if you're doing, you're just kicking ass at this section. It'll up it, it'll up it, up the difficulty. It'll tell you when it does it, but it'll up the difficulty level on it to like to kind of give you a challenge. We need it, or if you're getting your ass whooped, it'll it'll lower it. And you could set it, you could set it to like you know easy, normal, hard, or to the scrolling difficulty. And I always remember putting on, on the scrolling one. It was just, it was so awesome. Where it's like you're just like just when you're in the breaking point of like fuck this game, it's just like it gives you that break when you need it, and it works so well. Um, and just with Senua, like just dealing with her, like this woman, like, you know, just going through like probably the worst pain you can imagine going through as a person, like of losing another, um, you know, up there losing a dog and um, just dealing with all these issues and just like going through and like fighting all these crazy battles, fighting these awesome boss fights. And it's not a very long game. It's like, it's like a six hour long campaign. And I remember like the final, the final boss. So spoiler alert for a four year old game at this point. Um, when you like the way the game ends is you're supposed to like you're supposed to fail at the final boss fight and i didn't rec- realize that and i spent 40 like it's not a boss fight it's like you're just fighting waves of waves of enemies and i didn't realize that 
and I'm just fucking annihilating these enemies. And I'm like, why am I not like, what the fuck am I doing wrong here? I could not figure out what I was doing wrong. And I'm just like killing enemies on like just destroying them. And I finally like I die and I'm like the game ends. I'm like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> I'm supposed to die or I'm supposed to fail. I'm supposed to lose. I didn't realize it. It's just dealing with that. And it's just like, uh, yeah, it's, it's just the world is so well made. Like there's so many cool sections of like her dealing with like these mental issues. And it's like it's, it's not like a cheesy or like a, a bad way done. It's so well done. Um yeah, it's it's so great. Uh, it's on Game Pass, and it's like I've been tempted to go back and replay it, especially um, you know with, uh, with uh, Hellblade Two coming hopefully soon right. in the next year or so. But uh, yeah, Hellblade, uh, my number sixteen game of the generation. Gables, what's your number sixteen, buddy? All right, so my number sixteen game is going to be a little bit surprising to some. Hellblade, but no. Okay. It's Destiny 2. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, with that shock reaction, let me explain myself. So, Destiny 2, when that game first launched, the initial campaign, you know, I thought it was alright. It definitely was better than the original Destiny, which, honestly, that wasn't much of a feat to go through a match because of how that was going on. Yeah. So I, I have my hand up. Uh, I just want to point out, it's not really a shock that's on your list. I'm just shocked where it's at. To be fair, it was borderline on my list as well. So, really? yes, I just want to point nice. that out. But go ahead. Well, the reason why it's so high on the list isn't necessarily because of, say, the story missions and stuff like that. I mean, I've played through most of Forsaken. I've completed Shadowkeep. I have gone through the whole Beyond Light stuff. It's more or less because of the co-op experience and because of being inside of a co-op experience with a couple other friends that I know. I, it's made me enjoy the game a lot more. And also, it's made me like enjoy certain aspects of Destiny 2, which I didn't think I'd be getting into, but I did start getting into. Like, the whole aspect of how vital it is to have somebody that knows a lot about specific types of missions, especially for exotic missions, or what you need to go and what you need to do. Because some of the most rewarding things I have played through in gaming this generation has been completing certain exotic quests inside of Destiny 2. Like, for a good example, the late the one exotic mission that we completed months ago, God, I want to say, like, back around October or so, Beyond November, Light? where... What's up? Beyond, you're talking about Beyond Light, right? Yeah. Okay. Actually, it was before Beyond Light. Oh, okay. This is a little bit before Beyond Light, before the DLC came out. My friends and I wanted to go on this run and stuff to get this exotic sniper rifle called the Whisper of the Winds or something like that, the Whisper of the Worms. So quintessentially, it's this hyper-powerful sniper rifle with max impact and this and that, you know. And we had to go through this same section, go to this gauntlet, like four or five different like rooms and stuff and do things exactly. They needed me because I was more or less wanted to go through with the compact bows, right? So they needed a ranged person. So I would initially do support with my sweet business, which was an exotic, like, auto rifle that I'd use alongside a different couple other mods that would just mow through waves of enemies. But I'd switch it through a compound bow, which was anywhere between an Ars Attack, like, dash something or other that had, like, explosive rounds and then something else <laughs> to try to 
you know, switch things up a bit. And we tried over and over and over. We tried at least for a good solid two weeks until we finally fucking got this exotic sniper rifle. And when we did it, it was amazing. <laughs> it felt amazing. It felt like a big accomplishment. Oh, and there was like another accomplishment that we did where we were going through this one main mission and stuff. And it was such a long portion to go through and try to accomplish this. But we kept chipping away at it over and over again to where... We got to this this boss room, right? And what you have to do is there's these three disciples, right? And then you have this big dude that's like, right, the main boss. So in order for us to get the best out of this thing that we could possibly do, we had to defeat all three of these, like these acolytes and stuff at the same time in order to get the max amount of effect to defeat the boss. And so quintessentially what had happened was when my friends triggered the attack, I'd go through with my super with my Titan, right? And I'd do my little hammer swing that I'm doing, and I'm getting all three of them at the same time because I figured out there was a portion that we could trap them in. And so we, all three of them, like, they die quintessentially at the same time. I switched to my sweet business auto rifle, and I just lay waste to the freaking, like, boss. And so my sweet, like, uh... My sweet business is like just mowing through. It's like a Gatling gun, like auto rifle. It went through all that and just took them out. And we were just pumped because all of that hard work was worth it. And the last one I could mention is through an exotic rocket launcher called the Xenophage. Where you have to complete these different types of puzzles on the moon, right? Because it's more or less like a moon sort of exotic. And so we completed these puzzles... We went through the whole rigmarole of like the different boss battles because we had to do a boss battle there. We finally got that stuff satisfied. But uh, it's just the fact that it's not more or less the single player experience of going through the basic weeklies or going through the specific dailies or earning certain random drops or whatsoever. But it's because of a lot of the co-op missions and the certain aspects of the story that you get to experience with other people that makes this game more enjoyable in regards to a lot of different like perspectives than say how you would just do it by yourself and especially being inside of a clan getting all these random loot drops and stuff like that when they've completed a lot of these things throughout the week you know it just makes the game a lot more enjoyable so that's why it's at number 16 on my list nice very cool gables so uh we are now we've each done 10 uh, i just want to do like a quick yeah. recap for everybody here um so I'm going to run through uh, Gables here real fast. 25, Outlast. 24, Tony Proscare 1, 2. 23, A Way Out. 22, uh, Gravity Rush. 21, Final Fantasy Cur uh, Curtain Calls. Uh, 20, Rocket League. 19, Hat in Time. 18, Super Mario 3D Land. 17, Persona 3 and 5, Dancing in Moonlight, Dancing in Starlight. 16, Destiny 2. Uh, my number 25 through 16 here. 25, Outlast. 24, Gears 4. 23, Evil Within 2. Uh, 22, Wolfenstein 2, 21, uh, Until Dawn, 20, Gears, Gears 5, uh, 19, Yu-Gi-Oh! Le Legacy of the Duels, 18, Mario Kart 8, 17, Pokemon X, 16, Hellblade. I think so far we only have one game in common. Yes, we do. Um, yes. At this point. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm back. Uh, this is, well, Future Tyler's back. You just heard me, but now this is Future Tyler editing the podcast. Anyways, um, that was the end of this part. Uh, check back next week. We'll have uh, part three. Love you guys.